Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. I think it's very important today, I want to show you something out of the book of Psalms because there's something here that is, that is so powerful. And in this part of this series as I'm going through, prayer made simple. I'm not sure how far I'm going to get with this part of it today. Because I felt in my heart, I really need to kind of cause you to remember a few things that we've already discussed. Forgiveness is important. Understanding that, that praying in the Spirit is important and, and why and how you do it. But I want you to know something today. Prayer is your lifeline to God's heart. This is why it's so important to pray. Prayer is your lifeline to God's heart, to His mind. We see that in praying in the Spirit, to His mind, to His wisdom. Jesus said, ask, seek, knock, give, God. So there's provision and there's help, the Bible says. I want you to look at Psalms 91. This is so powerful. The Bible says in Psalms 91, verse 1, it says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall what? Abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So the Bible says that when you pray, this is so important, we need to learn to dwell in that place. Last week I talked about having constant contact with God, that prayer is like a personal GPS. It really is where you're at in the spirit. And when you're not in the right place, you, can, you, can, you get a sense of that. You, you start getting carnal. You, you can get knocked off your feet all of a sudden. You, you need to get right back on track in the spirit by praying in the Spirit, by also uh, just going in prayer and praising to God, reminding yourself of what God has said. It's so important to get back in that place. So we dwell there. He who dwells in this place, in the shelter of the Most High, will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And when you go into that place, look at verse 2. Verse 2 is so important. It says, I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. Remember, we talked about a while ago, Jesus said, to teach, when he taught, leave that up there, when the disciples said, teach us how to pray, he said, okay, pray like this. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So he, he says here, we see here, say the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. You're saying that. You're, 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 so he says to say these things. Now, again, it's not a formula. You need to hear what he, the, the, the um, writer is saying here by the Holy Ghost. I will say, he is my, my God. He's my refuge, my fortress. Because there's a lot of things that's trying to pull you into the world will say, no, your job is your provision. Think about it. The world will try to put so much pressure and things on your life that says, no, you need to trust in us. We know better for your life. God says, no, the Lord is my refuge, my strength, my provision. I will trust in him. Come on. Think about it. I tell you, that's a much better place because man doesn't have the answers. There's no man that is our savior. There is a savior, and that's Jesus Christ the Lord. I like what the Message Bible says. It says, verse 1, You who sit down in the high God's presence, spend the night in the Shaddai's shadow. 
Verse 2 says this. It says, God, you're my refuge. I trust in you, and I am safe. Think about what he's saying there. He's saying, fear you don't have a place here. Fear you don't have a place here. I'm safe, for I abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. You can't beat me because he set me free. None of your bondage, none of your worry, none of your plagues. No, they don't have me, for he, the Son, has set me free. Free indeed, I am free. Free indeed, the Son set me free. Come on. <laughs> Come on, I am free. I am free. I tell you, this is so important today that you need to get that in your mind and in your, in your conversation with God. When you begin to think about the Lord, you need to begin to say, no, God, you're my refuge, you're my strong tower. Fear and worry has nothing on me. You've already set me free. I am free indeed. Come on, think about it. This is how he taught us to pray. This is how we pray. You see, when you sit down, when you go into the presence of the Almighty, when you begin to dwell there, make your home there, plant yourself there, he means don't get up and walk away. No, if you feel yourself getting out, run back into it. What does verse 3 and 4 say of Psalms? Psalms 3 says this. It says, surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. Another translation says, he will certainly rescue you from the snare of the hunter and from the destructive plague. Fear you have no place here. Think about what he's saying there. Think about what he's saying there. He says, he himself will rescue you from the bird trap, from the destructive plague. Another translation says, he says, verse 4, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings will you trust his truth shall be your shield and buckler. I'm going to show you why he says that in a minute. Why does he talk about these feathers? Of course, we look at a, a, a baby hen oftentimes or a bird, how a mother or bird or father bird, like a penguin or something, hides the baby under them. Huh? Think about that. You know, mother hen, you know, she takes care of her chooks when the fox comes in. Her little, her little, her little chicklets or whatever. Chicklets, it's a gum. Anyhow. Chick, she hides them from the predator. From the, from the snare of the fowler, from those trying to come in, something's trying to attack. No, the Lord is my refuge, my strong tower. In him I do trust. Think about the children of Israel in the day of Egypt whenever the death angel came in. But the blood of Jesus, the blood of the lamb, sorry, was over the doorpost. Are you with me? Huh? They didn't have to fear for the blood was applied. Is the blood applied over the doorpost of your home, over your heart, over your tabernacle today, over your mind? Then whom shall we fear? What shall we fear? What are we saying? Are we just doing the rhetoric that the world is saying? Yeah, they don't have the blood. The world is not, listen, are you with me? We're talking about those who are in Christ. The God of this world is not our God. This is not your home. This is not your reward. There is a reward coming, and you have a home. And even Jesus said in John 14, 1, he says, Do not fear. Why are you troubled so much? Don't you know that I'm going to, where I go, I'm, gonna, I'm preparing a place for you, and where I am, one day you'll be with me forever there as well? Why are we so troubled? Look at this. 
Verse 4, he will cover you. You know, I like what verse, these verses point out to us. They're showing us what happens when we dwell in prayer in this place, when we get into that place and we dwell there. Things that we can trust in, things that we understand, things that we know. Things that we need to be conscious of when it comes to our relationship with God. Verses 5 through 8 of this passage of Scripture read like this. It says, "You, I shall not be afraid for the terror by night or for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness or for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand will fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it will come nigh thee. You see that? This is, an, this is an understanding of what we have in God. When we put ourselves in that place, when we dwell in that place, our Father, who art in heaven. See, this is the place that we dwell, the secret place of the Most High. Verse 9 through 13 is powerful. It says, because you have made the Lord, which is your refuge, the most high, thy habitation. Look at verse 10. You ready for some promises? No evil will befall you. Neither any plague. The word there, uh, some translations translated that as disaster. But it's actually the word plague again. And it actually was meaning that things that would try to come into your life, come into your family, come into your home to destroy it. it is, and, and literally... Uh, he's talking, and think about in their day, one of the things that uh, this word disaster, I leaned it, it, in definition, it's talking about like leprosy. It's talking about a disease. And that was big in their day. I'm going to tell you something. It's big in our day too. Not necessarily leprosy, but whatever plague. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be leprosy. It can be whatever. Are you hearing me today? We need to have a certain kind of mindset. The world doesn't have this promises of hope unless they believe in those promises of hope, unless they can dwell in that place. God is merciful to all people, but let me just tell you something. Where you dwell makes a difference. You can either dwell in faith or you can dwell in fear. You can dwell in the hope and the refuge and the strength of God, or you can dwell in the circumstances that surround the world and the culture of this world. Remember, you're in the world, but you're not of it. This is our prayer life. We're learning how to pray. The Bible says, the Lord is our refuge. No evil will befall us. Neither any plague or disaster will come now our dwelling. This is, listen, the proper translation to this is, is, is referring to a contagious disease. Now, I'm not just saying this because of COVID, but I'm not, not saying it because of that either. We need to understand it today. We need to understand where we are and where we dwell and how that God protects us. 1 Corinthians 11 tells us this, and let me just show you something here. He says, in this verse, he says, where he says this, he says, There shall no evil befall, no plague come nigh thy dwelling. That word dwelling there means gathering place or tabernacle or the, not just your home, but everywhere that you go. He's really also referring to, when he says that word dwelling, it means tabernacle. He's talking about the body of Christ. He's talking about today in our understanding of the, of the kingdom of God. 
And I think this could go over, and if people will hear this in the, in the church today, and they'll begin to understand it according to the word of God, I'm telling you there is protection for the bride of Christ. Not just us personally, us four in our family. Yes, it applies there, but it applies to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the whole body. Isn't that good news? 1 Corinthians 11, verses 18 through 19, we took communion just a little while ago. And I want to read verse 18 and, and because I want you to see this. And, and out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Is this okay? Everybody good? How about a little bit of teaching for a little while? I think this is important because we need to learn how to pray and why we pray. He says this in verse 18. He says, for first, all, for first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and partly I believe it. For there must be also heresies among you that which are approved may be made manifest among you. He's saying, uh, there's, he, he says, uh, the divisions that, that happen in the body of Christ are in the church. We, we can only take care of our church. We can't necessarily take care of everybody else's church unless we can influence in some way. Are you with me? But my point being is this. Is, he says, uh, he says when, when you come together, he says, I, um, I believe that there's, and he was talking to the church of Corinth. He says um, that there's division among you because of heresies, because you've approved of those things, and they've been made manifest among you. What is a heresy? Some translations say that there's differences. Well, what is the difference? He's talking about your aim. Where, are you with me? How you see it, how, how you aim. And, he's, and he says those are heresies. Isn't that something? Differences that cause division. We should never have an aim that, that above that could cause a division in the body. Well, this is, no, I don't see it. Watch it. You want to know why? Psalms 91. This is not disconnected. This is connected. We are members of one another, the Bible says. He says, I commend a blessing when we walk in unity, even life forevermore. Psalms 91 is so important because he says, he says in Psalms 91, he that dwells in this place, and, and, and this is a dwelling, this is how we dwell together. This is how we dwell because you're never separated. You don't have your own life outside of Christ. I'm preaching real good right now. You need to see it biblically. You need to see it how God sees it, not how we feel about it and how the world teaches us to behave and to think. We are members one of another, the Bible says, not just when we come together in church, but everywhere that we go. We're never really separated in the spirit. If so, I would never have to pray for you when you're out of my presence. Think about it. Think about it. He goes on to say this. This is why it's so important because he, he warned the church. In verse 29, he's talking about communion where he says, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily worthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now, we can look at that and say, well, I'm, he's talking about Jesus himself. You're, you're right. You're absolutely right. He's talking about Christ. Isn't that true? And let me just say it like this for a minute. Let's look at the example of who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? He's the Lord. He's the head of the church. 
the government is upon his shoulder because that's why he was born unto us. A child is born unto us, a son of given. Think about it. Ephesians says it like this, speaking of the church. Ephesians chapter 5. And let me just say this for you for a moment here. Here's how important in the spirit things are. Because we're talking about Psalms 91. We're talking about having the right heart with the right mind, understanding things, getting it right in the spirit, getting it right. Because this isn't about just my Jesus and my family and Jesus. This is about something much bigger than that. Are there never be gifts and callings and other things and, and the kingdom of God? That's not a kingdom. Just me and my family, us four and Jesus. Are you with me? I know this is kind of a practical understanding, but I think it's so needed in the body of Christ today and in the church. Because Psalms 91 talks about this dwelling place. It's not just a, a secret place in my prayer closet when I start feeling God's presence. He's talking about the dwelling. He's actually talking about the tabernacle, not just us personally, our own body. He's talking about the body of Christ. I'm not the church. I'm a member of the church. If anybody calls themselves, you're not the whole church, trust me. No one is. We have gifts differing. We are members one of another, the Bible says. We have to keep it all in context and see it the way the Bible says. And the Bible is so important in, in not confusing this so that we understand it. Paul, just for a moment, I need to back up back to we don't discern the Lord's body properly. Look at verse 30. He says, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you. Remember what he said in verse 18 and 19? This is just before he said this. He said, first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear there's divisions among you, and I partly believe it, for there must also be heresies among you, that, that they which are approved by others and people may be manifest among you. And he's talking about that word there. He's talking about many. He's talking about, he's talking about groups and parties within the body. And then he says, so there's some groups and parties in the body approving these ideas and these things and these aims that's causing division. Verse 29 and 30 goes down and he says, for, and he's talking about that the Lord was betrayed. Think about it. He says, we're one of another. We're one with Christ. That's why you have to see each other through the blood of Jesus. We're members together. We cannot see ourselves just an individual understanding. Like, I, this is my Jesus and I'm serving my Jesus, but I don't have to be a part of nothing. You're deceived. Think about it, because you are. And it's not good to separate ourselves, and especially with that kind of heresy. Because look at 1 Corinthians 11, 29 through 30, and he's talking about taking even the communion. What is the communion? Think about it. It's the fellowship we have according to the body and the blood of Jesus, to his lordship. And he's referring this to the church when he talks about the Lord's body. Verse 30, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. He's talking about things happening in people's lives because we're not dwelling properly in the secret place. Because in your secret place is where you get it right in the spirit so that you, when you gather, when you dwell, you can dwell properly. I'm going to show you Ephesians 5 just for a moment, verse 21. Ephesians 5, 21. We usually use this for, for marriage. Are you with me? Is this okay? Ephesians 5, 21, because we're talking about how to pray and why to pray. How to pray and why to pray. 
Because we need to understand the hows and whys. If we'll get it right in the spirit, we'll get things will start going right for you in other areas. And uh, I'm telling you, it's, it's powerful. Ephesians 5.21 says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, he's not talking, he wasn't talking to families at this point. He was actually talking to the church. Now he's going to start showing an analogy of a family. Are you hearing me? That verse wasn't, verse 21 wasn't pointed at husbands and wives and children. He was talking to the church at this point, and he's talking very powerfully to the church. And then he goes in verse 22, he says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. He's talking about the church. He's talking about us dwelling together in the spirit and in the mind and in the word of God with the purposes of the kingdom of God and having the right aims, not causing division. Are you with me? Because it's so important. So he says that it might be sanctified and clean. So he's talking here. When he's talking about the wife, he's talking about the church in the relationship together with the Lord within the body because you can't separate the body and the Lord. I've heard people say, well, God's not the church. No, I'm not my wife, but we're one together. I'm married to her. Are you with me? Just as Christ is married to the church and he is one together with us. We are one. Isn't that something? Do you see this in the scripture? And he's relating this to an understanding of how we see things and whenever things start getting out of line in our own heart. Now, you can either, you need to do, a, if, you, if you don't believe that, just look at the word. This isn't some new doctrine. This is just what was taught throughout the body in Ephesus and Corinthians and other places like that. And he goes on to say in, to the church of Ephesus in verse 27 that he might present it to himself. He's talking about Jesus presenting the church, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies as he, for he that loveth his wife loveth himself. So he's talking about now your relationship with your church. You know, God taught me years ago, remember when I was struggling early on in my marriage, because I wanted my wife to do things for me, and I wasn't feeling like she was under, you know, there was, there was, there was, there was just not, you know, I, I'm trying to get my wife to change and do things like, you know, for me and the way I see it and the way I think it ought to go. And, and I'll never forget, man, all this. Is getting, I'm getting frustrated, and I talked to God about it. And you know what he told me? He said, you don't love her. I said, yes, I do. I'll never forget it. I'm complaining to God in prayer over something. And he goes, you don't love her. All of the things I thought I loved about her, those things started to annoy me. And, the, you know, I liked, you know, I thought were cute and dating, and now they're annoying me. Are you with me? Anybody ever been there? Or am I the only one? Any other humans out there? And so I'm praying, and I said, God, what do I do? 
I don't understand. You did this. I started, I did. Yeah. I'm sure she's prayed that prayer too, trust me. More than what she's probably still praying that prayer. No, no, she's going, but you understand. You know. My point being is, is that I said, God, and he told me, he said, you don't love her. I said, yes, I do. He goes, no, you don't. I said, yes, I do. That's not, I don't understand. He said, no, you don't love her. And so I said, okay, what do you mean? He goes, Ephesians chapter 5. So I turned there, and I began to see something. You know, we oftentimes can be attenders but not lovers of the church. And the Holy Ghost began to teach me how to love my wife because it says that men ought to love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I thought, dude, wait a minute. What do you mean? And he's telling me I don't love her, and I'm going, yes, I do. Oh, I love it, man. I love it when they, I love it, you know, when Jake sings that song and that song. But I don't love that song. That other one, no. You know, I love it when Pastor does it this way, or I love it when the kids' ministry is doing this, or I love it when we have this, and I love it when it, but I don't love it when it's not. Are you with me? Well, we got to grow in love. You know, I don't love my wife when she's performing according to the way I want her to perform. We love, but what does love do? Love covers a multitude of transgressions against us. Sin. That's what love does. Love covers. Hey, come on. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not, do you see this? When you do not, we're not dwelling in the right place. Come on. Why do we do this? Because it is connected to prayer. You, you can't separate God from his church. You can say God and the church are not one. Yes, they are. Church is not God, but it is his. It's his kingdom. It's his will. It's in his mind. It's in his heart. He died for the church. Think about it. The church wasn't man's plan, but God's plan for man. He created that. Even Jesus gave gifts. Come on, think about it. Why is it so important? Because your prayer life. Paul said there are many people in the church because they have divisions among them and they're, they're in fellowship with one another according to the body and the, of Jesus and the blood of Jesus, but yet they're dying and the things aren't happening properly in their life. They're sick and they're weak because they don't discern the Lord's body properly. That's what he said. Verse 29, for no man yet hated his own flesh, nourishes, cherishes it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Uh-oh. Well, God, well the, Jesus isn't the church. Well, we are members of his body, his flesh, and his bones. But Jesus is not the church. We're members of his body, his flesh, and his bones. So you tell me, where do you see that other argument? In the word. Think about it. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined unto his wife, and these two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. I speak concerning Christ and the church. You see that? See, I'm, this is so important because selfish love is kind of like fish love. You all know, y'all know what fish love is, right? Anybody love fish? How about chicken? 
beef, you're about to go. How about soup, whatever, I don't care. Doesn't matter. But understand this. I can say I love fish because, you know, I like to eat it. It satisfies me. It fulfills me. But do I really love fish? You know what I do to fish? I catch it, I kill it, I clean it, and I fry it so I can satisfy me. I don't love fish. Trust me, just ask the fish. Yo, he loves me so much, he just killed me, skinned me, gutted me, deep fried me, dipped me in tartar tomato sauce, and, and there we go. He's so satisfied. Are you with me? That's not love. That's fish love, selfish love. This is not the kind of love Christ showed to the church, nor should the church show that amongst itself we should have the love of God. In saying this, the reason why it's so important connected to prayer, because it has to do with prayers coming to pass. That's why he said, when you stand praying, forgive, so that the Father can forgive you. Jesus taught that. How do we pray? God, I praise you. I come to you, God. Yeah, I got some issues. Let me lay these all out there. Forgive me. I forgive that. No, 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 no. Go on and get you. Are right, with me? Get yourself right. You can't be carrying that stuff around. It's kind of like, you know, big target and calling. You know, are you with me? We need to be wise with these things. Prayer is so important. But so is having this understanding. You see, we need to understand that God is working in the Spirit for us. I'm going to talk next week about what happens in the spiritual realm when you begin to pray and you begin to dwell properly in your life, in your heart, in the presence of God. You know, the gathering place of the people of God is always, it's not, it's not there just to do our bit or to just come, but we're there to gather and assemble together as unto the Lord. And I'm going to show you a few things that happens in this area when we do it in, the, in these, in the, in, in, listen, you never, you never even, even when you're struggling, you don't want to just forsake yourself. The assembling of yourself together is a manner of some are, the Bible says. You have to lay that at the feet of Jesus. Don't have a heresy that you're buying into in your own mind that keeps you apart. But to lay that at the feet of God so you can dwell properly because this is about our relationship with the Lord, how we have relationship, how we see things. We're talking, we're talking about relationship with God. We're talking about our prayer life. We enter in with thanksgiving. We can be thankful be thankful for what God has given to you. You know, if you're struggling in your marriage today or with, with other people around you, be thankful. Be thankful for the job that you have. Be thankful for your church. Be thankful for the people that, is, that God surrounds you with. Be thankful for what you have. You know, thanksgiving creates contentment. And contentment will keep you from choking on the world's Kool-Aid. And so this morning as you pray and as you enter into your prayer closet, Continually build yourself up. 
Continually pray for others. Intercede. Make sure your heart is in the right place. Forgive if you have ought against anyone. Make sure that you're not allowing division to creep in to your prayer life. God says get rid of it. It doesn't mean you get rid of your body. You know, I don't get rid of my wife because we have a, a problem. No, we forgive. We go to each other. We love each other. We cover that. We get healed. Are you hearing me? So important. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.